Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Turn up your volume. Your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> there is a bomb. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together, they worked the young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. Your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Matt O'Han with you on this Tuesday evening. I thought it was Wednesday today, man. It's too bad. Every day every day we just get closer to the weekend. That's how I look at it now with uh, football back. But yes, it is Tuesday night. Uh, if you're expecting Tony, I'm sorry. He should be back tomorrow. No guarantees, though. We're going to talk about that, uh, Sammy and Yellow and I, uh, off the off the air a little bit later. We'll, we'll let you know who's back on tomorrow as soon as we know. Uh, but it is me tonight. So uh, without further ado, let's get this thing going. Uh, the SICK Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Energy Transportation Group is a leading full service logistics providers serving all of North America, driven to be different. We're also brought to you by Playground. Playground has over 600 machines, poker tournaments, and Playground casino games. Daily promotions and unmatched customer service. Why go anywhere else? Located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal. And of course, by La Beta TV Beer, brewed in Quebec and a winner of a dozen international awards. La Beta TV offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Beta TV, embrace your true nature. All right. So yesterday, uh, I had Eric Engels on the program. Uh, great episode with him. We talked a little bit about the Canadians golf tournament, which is kind of the unofficial kickoff to the preseason for the Montreal Canadiens. So a uh, couple of uh, pretty... Uh, 
pretty crazy busy news day in the NHL. Very rare for our early September, but uh, don't worry. We're going to break it all down for you. And to do that is one of my favorite guests. He usually joins me on Friday, but this is the second week in a row. He joins me on Tuesday, Mr. Stu Cowan of the Montreal Gazette. Stu, how's it going? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, So, I mean, I don't know if you were expecting this, but you were a busy man today. I was. uh, Well, Carrie Price had a news conference. I actually knew about it. It was announced uh, a few days ago. We were out there. Uh, he's an ambassador for a new all-terrain company, and they've uh, the Carey Price model. So we all know Carey Price is an outdoorsman and likes to hunt and fish and whatnot. And he's going to have a lot of time to do that now because he's not going to play hockey again. He made that pretty clear uh, today. Uh, you know, I asked him about the possibility of him coming back to play, and he said, you know, the way his knee is going now, it's just not going to happen. Uh, you know, I said holding out for a miracle, but I mean, he's not going to play hockey again. I mean, that's obvious at this point. He in some ways, has to be a little bit careful what he says, I guess, for insurance purposes, insurance on the contract, and for the Canes keeping him on LTIR. But, you know, he's 36 years old. Uh, he has played about five games in the last two seasons. He's not going to play this season. So uh, his career is over. He knows it. He's coming to terms with it. And uh, it's sad. It's a sad way for his career to come to an end. But um, a lot of mileage on uh, that knee, a lot of injuries to that knee during his career. I asked him today if uh, he regrets in hindsight playing through uh, some of the injuries he did with his knee. And he said uh, to go back, uh, he wouldn't. there's not much he would change. But he also noted that the younger kids today, the younger goalies today, are, are more aware of uh, injuries and maybe better at uh, taking time off and preventing them. But uh, but for Carey Price, I mean, the big story out of there today is his career is, I mean, I think we already knew that, but uh, he basically confirmed that his career is over. Yeah, that, that you basically you said it yourself. I don't think it's really like a shocker to no, people, no. but it is it it is a little sad for Canadians fans. And you know, someone like me growing up watching the Canadians, uh, he was the Patrick Waugh of my era. He was the Jacques Plante of my era. He was the Ken Dryden of my era. Obviously, not with all without uh, the Stanley Cups, but he had a lot of the accolades that that went with it. So, I mean, I, I guess uh, let's just start off by uh, I'm going to ask you this. You know, what was your, you know, favorite Carey Price moment that you were maybe in the building or on the road for? I think it was, uh, it was Ovechkin. He made the save on, and then Ovechkin came and uh, tapped them afterwards and congratulated yeah. him on the save. That one jumps out of my mind. I mean, I had a chance to chat with Carey for a, minute, a few minutes after the news conference, just one-on-one, and he seems much more, in a much more happy place. Uh, as far as accepting that he's not going to play again, uh, you know, his house on the South Shore here is up for sale. Uh, the family's moved to Kelowna full time. Uh, he said he will be back for uh, the home opener at the Bell Center. Canadian fans will be happy to see him there. But I mean, in the previous times, he's, he hasn't spoken that much over the last couple of years. But the times he has, he was sort of more holding out hope that maybe he could play again. But he seems to have come to terms now with the fact that he won't be able to play. But as far as I mean, there's a lot of memorable moments, good and bad, with Kerry, right? I mean, he had highs and he had lows uh, in Montreal. And I asked one of the questions I asked them is, uh, you know, what advice do you have for all these young players on the Canadians now who are going to learn what it's like to be in that very bright Montreal hockey spotlight? And he, he talked about a phone call he got from Ken Dryden early in his career when he was struggling. And Carrie said that, you know, Ken told him just to focus on what you can focus and control what you can control and shut out everything else. It was easier back in Ken Dryden's day because there was no social media. 
mm. no 24 7 uh sports tv channels and radio stations or podcasts like this it's more difficult today but uh it was good advice for carrie that's basically what he said for the young guys on the team today just focus on your job uh try and shut out all the outside noise it's not always easy and just go to work put your head down do your job and listen to what your coaches are saying and try and ignore uh what everybody else is saying including us in the media and fans and social media mm-hmm. yeah i think i think for me and a lot of fans uh the obviously uh one that has to stick out is that 2021 uh cup run mm-hmm. all the way to the stanley cup final uh but but really for me i think it was the 2014 season as a whole you know that was i'm pretty sure that was his vezina uh and heart trophy season and you know he won a gold medal with the canadian olympic team but really i remember when he went down in game one against the rangers and it was just you know like to me growing up as a as a young habs fan i was in 2014 who uh nine years ago okay i was 15 um you know and that that was the the one real time where i was like oh my god the montreal canadians can win the stanley cup this year and it kind of felt like it was ripped away from me. So I'm not going to say it was my favorite. Obviously not, because it was a pretty uh, bad memory of, of a lot of Canadians fans. But that season as a whole just felt really special uh, from Carey Price. You know, he was he was carrying the team, but they had a good team around him. And I, I just thought that that season was uh, was magical in its, in its own right. Well, the other, the other game that really sticks out in my mind, I think it was game six of the first round playoff series in 21 against the Leafs, so it went to overtime. And uh, the Canadians were only playing the four defensemen, right? The four Clydesdales, as Luke Richardson called them. Mm. They were they were dying out there. They had nothing left. They were just sort of firing the puck off the glass and praying it would get out. The Canadians couldn't get out of their own end. I think they were being outshot like 13 to 1 in that overtime period, and Carey was standing on his head. And then the Canadians got a – I can't remember who scored the goal. Was it uh, – um, I think it might have been Lekin. Anyway, the, the, they got they got a chance. Or no, it was Kakanyemi, I believe. They got a chance and they scored and they won the game in overtime. They had absolutely no business winning that game. They should have been eliminated from the playoffs. And how history might have been different if Carey hadn't stood on his head at that mm-hmm. point and the Canadians had been eliminated in the first round. Would you know? Would uh, Dominic Ducharme come back as head coach next season? Probably not. Would Mark Bergevin has come back as GM? Maybe not. There would have been a, the, the rebuild that we see now would have happened a lot quicker, I think, if it wasn't for Carey standing on his head. And as we all know, he continued to stand on his head right through to the Stanley Cup final against Tampa uh, when he started to run out of gas and he was playing on a bum knee. And Shea Weber was basically uh, playing on a bum knee, a bum ankle, and everything else it was a remarkable run they had to get to the Stanley Cup final. But that's a game that really sticks out in my mind. And the other thing that sticks out in my mind with Carey was uh, the day in Toronto. I remember there was that kid, his mother had died and uh, one of his wishes was to meet Carrie Price and his mom wasn't able to make it happen while she was alive. And then after she passed away, uh, I believe it was his aunt who arranged for him to meet Carrie Price. And the kid broke down sobbing in tears when he met Carrie at the morning skate. And Carrie gave the kid a hug and said, don't worry, buddy, it's going to be okay. And it was a real touching moment. And then the NHL brought the kid to um, uh, the NHL awards that year and, and got to meet Carrie again. So it was just so it was sort of a, a side of Carrie Price we don't see very often. We, he's kept his personal life quite private. Uh, but that's another moment that sticks up. But again, 2021, the Canes do not get anywhere near the Stanley Cup final without Carey Price. 
Yeah, uh, totally agree there, you know, and, and it's crazy because, you know, being a, obviously being a goaltender, you've seen it a lot more than I have. Uh, being a goaltender in Montreal is no easy feat, especially with the names off the top that I uh, just rattled off. You know, he was my, like I said, for a lot of people my age, he was our Patrick Waugh, he was our yeah. Ken Dryden, he was our Jacques Plante, you know, he, for someone who, Go ahead. Oh, yeah, Those go guys ahead. played with so many Hall of Famers in front of them, though. Kerry didn't get much help. You know, was, <laughs> well, that's right. It was, a, it was a shooting gallery. It was basically the Kane strategy was, uh, you know, hope Kerry stands on his head and doesn't let in more than two goals, and maybe we can score three. That was the strategy for a long time uh, when Kerry Price was around. The other thing that amazes you about Kerry is just he's such a big guy. I mean, he's built like an NFL tight end. And you think mm-hmm. of the wear and tear on those knees every time you hit the ice, not just in games, but in practices and whatnot and the flexibility he had for a guy that size he was a remarkable athlete i mean for a guy that big and that that as i said building nfl tight end to have the flexibility and the ability to play goal in the nhl as long as he did for 15 years is quite remarkable but at the end of the day that wear and tear on his knees uh took a toll you know it's crazy when you put when you mention uh that you know the wear and tear of practice not only games because if you know when you put it in that perspective it's crazy to me you know watching the NFL, I I see a lot of players that take uh, a lot of veteran players, you know, in their late twenties, early thirties, Wednesday is the first, uh, if you're playing on Sunday, you're probably your first day of practice is going to be Wednesday in most cases. And a lot of veterans just take Wednesday off because they got to rest their body. And, and, you know, it just felt like carry for the most, for majority of his career, he never missed a day. Really. If, yeah. he, if he wasn't injured, he was out there in practice and he, you know, that, uh, that takes a toll on someone, you know, it might not take as much of a toll on the skaters themselves, but you know, you're still going down, you're still dropping to your knees, your hips are still moving. That'll take a big toll on someone. I mean, load managers become a big thing in the NBA right now with guys resting, not just in practice, but in games. I'm not a fan of star players sitting out games when people think, if I'm taking my kid or you're taking your grandkid or something to a game, you spend a lot of money to go to a game and a guy's not playing because it's load management day and they don't want him to play. That, that doesn't go over well with fans, but practice-wise, I mean, we've seen it more with the Canadians. Like, I mean, in the NHL also, like morning skates are becoming more optional than, than they have been. Um, I've never really understood the morning skate. I mean, they were started basically to make sure the guys didn't spend too much time in the bar the night before, and if they did so that they could sweat it out the morning of a game. Times have changed since then, and we're seeing less focus on morning skates. And, you know, guys last year, Nick Suzuki, I mean, speaking of the golf tournament, and, you know, I asked him about, you know, he's the only guy who hasn't played all, who has played all 82 games the last two seasons. And I said, asked him sort of about his secret to success, not getting hurt. And he said, I've been hurt. I just was able to play through it. And, you know, he took time off at the end of the season. There was practices he didn't take part in. And as Carey Price said today, uh, the younger generation seems to be more aware of uh of when they're hurt and when to take time off when they are hurt so i think moving forward uh with goalies especially we'll see you know there's times the canadians will have a goal at former concordia goalie or somebody in for practice to give jake allen or whoever the, the goalie is a day off and practices can sometimes be uh tougher than games for goalies they're facing so many shots and going up and down as much as carry price 225 230 pounds dropping down to your knees and getting up hundreds and hundreds of times during a game or a practice it's 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 Mm -hmm. a real wear and tear on the body yeah it's just uh it's a shame the way that you know it all ended Mm -hmm. i'm happy that he got that final stretch of games there at the end of the season a couple years ago because you know i he knew probably he knew yeah and and that last game i remember his kids kind of his daughter coming down to see him before the game like that game 
that he played two seasons ago, that last game, he he sort of knew that was his last game. Like he realized, you know, that he just he couldn't do it anymore. I mean, he came back from that knee surgery and he tried. He only played five games that season. It just wasn't working. And, you know, the only other option was to have a much more invasive surgery, which might not work and might leave him in worse condition. And he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to risk his future being able to, you know, pick up his kids and play with his kids and play golf and do all those other things guys enjoy in retirement, uh, which is understandable. I mean, and, you know, I've, I've seen some people on Twitter, you know, he should just retire and not take the money left on his contract. He's stealing money. He's not. The NHL contracts are guaranteed. And Carey Price played through injuries when he probably shouldn't have played, same as Brandon Gallagher did. If they, if you know, if they were only looking after money and only cared about whatever, they, but these guys want to win, so Carey Price put his body through a, a real toll. Uh, both sides agreed to that contract. The Canes were happy when they signed him. Carey Price was happy with the because he signed him and he deserves the money. It's, it's, he earned the money. That's the contract he was given. Um, his, his body broke down, not for anything he did wrong. Uh, you know, go back to the Chris Kreider when Chris Kreider ran him there in, in the playoffs. That sort of was the start of the knee issues. And no, as I say, that Stanley Cup run, he was playing through a, a torn meniscus. <laughs> he was playing with a torn meniscus mm-hmm. all that way. And, and he could have easily just said, shut it down and said, oh, my knee hurts too much. I'm not going to play. Uh, but he played through it. And it ended up costing him uh, his career or cut, cut his career short anyway. So now for people who say that uh, he's stealing money or doesn't deserve the money, uh, I totally disagree with that. Well, I, I, and you know, it's hard to disagree with, hard to disagree with that because, or hard to not to disagree mm-hmm. because, you know, like it, it's like anything, you know, and even if he was completely healthy in a contract negotiation, you know, I was just uh, privy obviously to the Joe Burrow contract mm-hmm. and like people are saying he should take a team friendly deal. Well, it's easy to say that when you got a, you know, you're, you don't really understand the concept and the amount of money that is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, ver- like, let's just and say, the NFL, okay, so they're not fully guaranteed the contracts either. Well, that's right. Yeah. And, you know, let's, so for people who don't know, Joe Burrow just signed a, an extension uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals. He's now the highest paid player per year on average, uh, in the history of the NFL. He makes 50 on average, he's going to be making 55 million a year for the next five years. And people were saying like, Oh, you should take a team friendly deal. I'm not going to get into the nuts and bolts of why mm-hmm. it is a team friendly deal, but like he should take 50 million. Well, it's very easy to say, oh, yeah, just leave five million mm-hmm. on the table per year. You know, this guy is uh, he's earned that money. He's earned the right to make that money, just like Carey Price earned the right to make that money. You know, he agreed to the deal. He put his body mm-hmm. on the line. He went through the ringer and uh, he deserves every penny of that contract. Frankly, uh, he should just retire. Yeah, just retire. Leave 30 million dollars on yeah. the table. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, it's, pro it's sports is a business. It's pro sports is a business. Owners do everything they can to make as much money as they possibly can. So players are entitled mm-hmm. to do the same thing. They should try and make as much money as they possibly can. It's up to the teams and, you know, in a salary cap league, it's up to the teams to manage that salary cap. And, uh, you know, Mark Bergeron, the Canadians decided that Carey Price was worth uh, $10.5 million a year. And they gave it to him at that time. And, you know, he mm-hmm. got hurt and he broke down. So, it's uh, as I said, both sides agreed to the contract at the time. So, uh, it's a contract. It's A contract is a contract. And, uh, you know, it's one of, one of the favorite – there's a lot of reasons why I like Brendan Gallagher. I mean, the, the effort level and everything else. And, you know, people now complain he's overpaid. And he is with that contract. I mean, the contract he was given was he was paid for what he had mm-hmm. done as opposed to what he might do in the future, which is the opposite of what they've done with Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki. But when Gallagher was scoring 30 goals a year, and he was making $3 million or whatever it was, or 2.8, I can't remember exactly, 
And he was one of the best bargains in the NHL at that time. And I, I asked him one day, just talked with him one-on-one. I said, uh, do you regret signing that contract? Like, you know, you're, you're really underpaid now considering you're a 30 mm. goal scorer. He said, are you crazy? He says, I, I think it was 23 million. The total of his contract says the day I signed that contract was the happiest day of my life. I never in a million years dreamed mm. I'd ever make that much money. Uh, it was, so it was a con. He was happy when he signed it and the team was happy. That's why I also don't like when players want to renegotiate a contract, you know, when they're mm. in the middle of it. I mean, if you, you, you sign for security, Brendan Gallagher signed that contract for security, financial security and long-term security playing. He was happy when he signed it. The team was happy when he signed it. You know, he, he, uh, he overperformed that the Canes thought he would do on that contract. He didn't complain about it. And now he's underperforming what they would expect for what they're paying him. Um, and that's just pro sports. That's the, that's the way pro sports work. Yeah. And, uh, well, there you go. And you know what? Uh, the NHL, they have the, the NHL players have a lot of rights when it comes to contracts, because like you said, they may not make as much money as players in the NFL, but those contracts are guaranteed money. Uh, yeah. You know, the NFL, I could sign tomorrow a deal with any team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it could be worth three million, three hundred million dollars. But if I don't yeah. perform, I, I just might not you. make uh, exactly. They'll cut me and I'll make, uh, you know, the, my signing bonus and that's it. Mm-hmm. So the NHL players have a lot, a lot of rights when it comes yeah. to contract negotiations and what. But the salary cap is- also limits what they can make a lot more than other. Uh, oh, yeah. If there's I any mean, league, if there's any pro sports league that should have guaranteed contract, it's the NFL. I mean, every, oh, yeah, well, especially quarterbacks, everyone we saw with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, every time the quarterback drops back to the pass, it could be the last play of his career. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, that's, well, you know, collective bargaining agreements. Uh, the NFL players agreed to uh, not have guaranteed contracts, and the, the NHL players have guaranteed contracts, but they also have a hard salary cap, which the leagues don't. Well, that's it. And, uh, you know, the, the salary cap in the NFL is about uh, two, 250 million and change salary cap in the NHL yeah. is about 80 million and change. Yeah. So there you go. So that's uh, the stark difference, but Hey, at least, uh, they, they, listen, I'm not, they, either way, they can't be complaining about making millions of dollars. We have plenty <laughs> doing what they love. Both um, sports is a business. At the end of the day, it's that's it. both sides. So uh, let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit now. Let's talk uh, about a little bit about the Canadians golf tournament. You know, yesterday I spoke with Eric Engels about the expectation levels of the Canadians internally and externally. Mm-hmm. That was a real hot topic yesterday. Made a lot of headlines. What didn't make as many headlines, which I was kind of surprised about, were you know conversations had with players. And, you know, one, one in particular, again, I mentioned it off the top, you're a busy, busy guy today. Yeah. You wrote two stories. So uh, you spoke with Kirby Doc, and uh, I really like what you had to write. So why don't you give the people a little bit of a, of a taste of what you wrote out there? Yeah, basically, I, I, the column I just wrote, I mean, it's on hockeyinsetup.com. Now I wrote, he's sort of the poster boy for the Canadians' plans for this rebuild. Their plan is to get acquire as much young talent as they can and then develop them, try and get this core group of players who are all 21, 22, 23, 24 years old and have them grow together under the tutelage of Marty St. Louis. And, you know, Kirby Doc, remember the trade at the draft last year when they got rid of Romanov and the three-way sort of deal, and they ended up getting Kirby Doc, a number three overall draft pick from Chicago, who was 21 years old at the time, still a young guy. And, uh, you know, Ken Hughes said at the time, we see the potential in him, and we think that Marty St. Louis can bring out his potential, and he can become a very good center in the NHL. And under Marty St. Louis, he set career highs in goals, assists, and points before in only 58 games, I think it was, before suffering his knee injury. 
Cole Caulfield, you know, one goal in 30 games, Dominic Ducharme as head coach. Then Marty St. Louis comes in and he has 48 goals in 83 games. So they're, 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 you know, now with Alex Newhook, the trade they made it this year is the, another exact same similar, similar situation to Kirby Doc, drafted the same year as Doc, the same year Caulfield was drafted, 2019. So Canes have three first round picks from that draft, three high first round picks in that draft, mm -hmm. uh, 16, I think it was. Um, and now they have this, they are, you know, you don't get drafted in the top 16 in the NHL unless you're a very talented hockey player. They have three very talented hockey players who are young and they're banking on Marty St. Louis being able to get the best out of them. And that's, that's their plan. And that's why they've, you know, they've accumulated all these young players, 21, 22, 23. They have Selkowski who's 19. They have Rhinebacker 18 coming up. They have a lot of guys in the front. They have a lot. They've stockpiled a ton of young talent, which the Canadians haven't had for a long time. And they're banking on Marty St. Louis being able to develop. And you know, there was some criticism about Jeff Gordon not wanting to use the P word, as he said, playoffs. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the Canadians want to make the playoffs. The players want to make the playoffs. Management wants to make the playoffs. Jeff Molson wants to make the playoffs. You make a lot of money when you make the playoffs. But when you look at how young the roster is, and you look at the competition in their division and in their conference, it's unrealistic to expect this team to make the playoffs mm -hmm. this season. Is it possible? Yeah, it's possible. And who expected New Jersey last season to bounce back the way they did from a brutal season and get over 100 points and, and get into the playoffs? It's possible the Canes will get into the playoffs. They want to get in. I mean, Nick Suzuki, the players all talked about that. They want to get in. But I think it was smart by Jeff Gordon not to put unrealistic expectations on the team at this point. Uh, going into next season as this rebuild continues, they go into year three. I can see the goal being, yes, we do want to make the playoffs. That's the, the, Maybe they will use the P word next year. But I thought it was for Gordon. I mean, he obviously thought about the answer. It's not like he just all of a sudden said we're not going to use the P word. They just don't want to put unrealistic pressure on the players. They want the focus still to be on development, um, learning Marty's system the way he wants them to play, competing every night. And uh, if they can stay healthy and compete the way they did last season, uh, they're going to be a good hockey team. They're going to be a lot of fun to watch. They were a lot of fun to watch last season. But I just don't, you know, very young defense Goaltending is sort of uh, up in the air, you know, two goalies that have injury issues. Uh, uh, you know, if they had Carey Price, a healthy Carey Price in goal, their odds of making the playoffs would be a lot better, but they don't. So I, I think it was just it was a realistic expectation uh, for the Canes to have going into this season. Um, for years, fans and some of the media have been clamoring. They need to do a rebuild. They need to do a rebuild. They did a rebuild. A rebuild, it's, it's one full season into a rebuild. You can't expect miracles. If you're going to do a rebuild right, you can't expect miracles. They're going to let these young guys live and learn together, grow up together on and off the ice, make mistakes together. Um, you know, Marty St. Louis said he'll be aggressively patient. Some people criticize him for that comment, but I understand what he means. If like, you're going to be patient, you're going to push them more than they did last season. Mm -hmm. uh, and they'll push them more next season. And they'll push them more the next season after that. But for now, the focus is still on development. Uh, trying to, as you know, Marty St. Louis says, you know, win the day, get better every day, focus on every day. As he said, you can win a game and not win the day. You can play poorly and your team can win, or you can play well and your team can lose. So it's not all going to be focused on wins and losses. But for people who think all oh, the Canes haven't set a goal of they've given up, no, they they want to make the playoffs. I mean, they they'd love to make nothing more than to make the playoffs. And as I said, it's it, it, could it happen? Maybe I I, I doubt it. Uh, but it's a realistic expectation, uh, and they don't want to put added pressure on these players. They put enough pressure on themselves, and, and as Nick Suzuki said, we play to win every game, and we play to get to the playoffs, and that's what the players are going to do. I don't think they have the team right now 
as I mentioned, in the competitive division they're in to be able to do that. But again, it's just I think they're going to be a fun team to watch. They were fun to watch last year, and if they can stay healthy, they're going to be even more fun to watch. You know, there's a couple of things there, and the biggest thing for me is, you know, you said they don't want to put unnecessary pressure on the players. I think they also don't want to put unnecessary pressure on Martin St. Louis. Because well, and that themselves, pressure. true. That's true, yeah. Well, yeah, because, you know, you make that proclamation, you know, as Eric said yesterday, you know, you could come out and make a boisterous, bold proclamation, but nobody's really going to believe you, and then you're just mm -hmm. going to lose credibility. So if you put that unnecessary pressure on Martin St. Louis, he can't really fully succeed in what he wants to do because it's very rare that you get to develop players at the NHL level. Yeah. And right now, they have the time to do that. So, I, Well, I and Dominic Ducharme, I can't remember who he was being interviewed by. It was a while ago. And he said that he was in a different situation in St. Louis when he was coaching because mm -hmm. they wanted to make the playoffs. So that's why you don't play Cole Caulfield as much because you can't – you don't trust rookies as much and you're worried he's going to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. the, the offensive game result. So he was coaching with a different mentality than Marty. It's Marty's, the good thing about this rebuild is – Gordon Hughes and Marty St. Louis are all on the same page. It's not like, you know, the mm -hmm. coach really, like, nobody loves to, there's very few people who like to win more than Marty St. Louis. You don't get to be where you <laughs> are at his size and being undrafted without having a deep, deep passion and desire to win hockey games. And he has that in him. But he's done a really good job of controlling that and realizing the big picture and seeing the big picture that they've drawn up together with uh, Hughes and Gordon. And um, as I said, the, the, no, Marty saying we wants to make the playoffs this season, but it's not priority number one. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to put Cole Caulfield on the bench in the third period because he's worried he might make a mistake that might result in a goal and they lose the game. That's it's it's about playing these guys in those situations and allowing them to maybe make those mistakes and learn from them. That's what this development part is all about. Yeah, and you know, again, just I think that whole those comments they really reinforce their commitment to having Martin St. Louis as the, as the head coach, because, mm -hmm. you know, we've been talking about it every so often, you know, I'm, ex I, I, I say it all the time. I'm excited to see what happens when, when the games do count and Martin St. Louis has mm -hmm. to be tactical and has to pick his players uh, intelligently and, you know, make educated decisions rather than just throwing someone out there and saying, let's see if this works. And the, all those comments kind of reinforce their belief in Martin St. Louis in a long term. It's kind of different because, you know, we always say, and, and you know, in the NHL, you get hired to get fired, pretty yeah. much just like in any job. But, you know, with, the, with this one specifically, sports is so, so volatile that I just feel like they really just don't want anyone, players included, coaches and everyone, everyone involved, to be looking over their shoulder whenever they're making a mistake yeah. and yeah. you know it's just everyone right now we're all learning we don't we're not expecting you to make the playoffs but hey we want to see a damn good product and we want to see these players getting better every day which might not be what uh, every fan wants to hear but this is the right way of doing it because people forget you know everyone says toronto just got lucky you know they got the first overall pick they got austin matthews and boom, bang it was over mm -hmm. no that's not how it worked they, they had they have morgan riley who was a sixth overall pick they have mitch marner who's a fourth overall pick they have uh william nylander who's a six seven or eight overall pick and then they got austin matthews they had a lot of bad years 
that you know Montreal Canadiens fans made fun of them for. <laughs> the, the, the Canadians have won more playoff series than the Leafs since they got Austin Matthews. It's yeah, you know, it's it's well, there you, know, you it's, go. It's, it's as they rebuilds. I mean, it's you know, older Canadians fans. You know, they all say, "Oh, it used to be uh, Stanley Cup or nothing. Now it's just me." Yeah, but you know, I think seventeen of the Canadians' twenty-four Stanley Cups came when there were sixteen six teams in the league. And then in the 70s, when they won all those cups, it was the expansion division and the real division. And the real division played the winner of the expansion team in the final. So the Canadians would sweep basically wherever they played in the final. Times have changed. It's a 32 team league and a salary cap. It's hard. Making the playoffs in the NHL is a big accomplishment today to get in. It takes over 100 points usually to get in or close to 100 points. It's not, it's not the same NHL that I grew up as a kid watching where there was a Stanley Cup parade every year in Montreal. Um, you know, the Canes would never have been able to keep those teams together with the salary cap now. You can never keep Gila Fleur and Steve Shutt and Serge Shabard and Gila Point and all these guys on the same team. It never would have happened. It would have, you can't do it today. So it's a it's a much more difficult thing, and it's more difficult to build a team. It's more difficult to rebuild a team. And the other interesting thing that Gordon said in that video, I think we might have touched on this last time I was on with you, uh, about getting talent is, you know, sometimes you get lucky. And usually it's through drafting and how with you know signing free agent doesn't always work because you're getting older guys who are making a lot of money. Um, but you know the Canes, this management team has a, a plan in place, a solid plan. They're confident it's going to work. It might work. It looks so far they're on a good path. And if it doesn't work, they're all going to get fired, and it'll be somebody else coming in. That's the way pro sports work. That's the reality of it. Yeah, and uh, exactly, it's exactly what you said. And like again, it's just there's no perfect recipe to this i mean how many times have the edmonton oilers won the first overall pick and they continuously miss the playoffs they're 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 really putting placing the focus if it felt like those years in edmonton you know up until they got Connor mcdavid and even still they're still not uh meeting expectations but it it just felt like okay we got the first overall pick we're good it's all solved and uh we're gonna be back that's it the edmonton oilers are back and no that's just not the way it works and I, I really like this slow, patient path that they're taking because you just know when they make when they really strike the iron, you're gonna know they they struck that thing for a reason, you know. And when they really go after it and make a move, you're gonna know that they're ready. These guys are intelligent guys. They've been a part of, you know. Well, Jeff Gordon has been a part of successful teams in, in upper management. Martin mm-hmm. St. Louis has been a part of successful teams as a player, and Kent Hughes has had a lot of successful clients. So they know what they're doing when it comes to making calculated decisions. And as I wrote yesterday, you know, patience is a virtue, and, and it really is in a rebuild. It took the Canadians a long time to get as bad as they were. Many years of bad draft mm-hmm. many years of bad player development, many years of you know not having a, a, enough of a um, hockey development department, uh, you know, ignoring analytics. I'm not a huge analytics guy, but you can't ignore analytics in today's world. Um, it, it took a long time and a lot of mistakes for the Canes to get become the worst team in the NHL, which they were. So it's going to take a while to fix all that. And, you know, when Ken Hughes came in and Jeff Gordon came in, they were left with a huge mess as far as contracts they had to try and get rid of. And, you know, the LTIR with, like, Shea Weber, thankfully they were able to get rid of that contract. Uh, Carey Price's uh, contract, I wrote a column recently, how, you know, people think that they just put them on LTIR and it disappears. Well, it doesn't. There's impacts as far as accruing cap space and whatnot. And, I spoke with the guys who run Cap Friendly, and they explained. That, well, that's still a little confusing. <laughs> they explained it as, as clearly as I've heard anybody else explain it. Just how that having that LTIR doesn't help you. So 
they came into a real mess and they've sort of picked away and picked away and picked away and picked away. But at the end of the day, their main focus is on acquiring young talent, as much young talent as they can. They got, I think it's 21 draft picks over the next two drafts, including two first round picks, not next year, but the year after. So they're just accumulating as much young talent as they can. As I mentioned, Kirby Doc being sort of the poster boy mm-hmm. for that and hoping with their development program and, and, uh, uh, not just Marty, but also the other coaches and, uh, um, you know, their, their, their skills coach and everybody else that they can bring these guys along. And we saw a big improvement in Kirby Doc last season. And from the case end, hopefully he makes another big step this year. Maybe he won't. Maybe he'll take a step back. But he made good progress this first year. Cole Caulfield made incredible progress since Marty St. Louis took over. It's going to be interesting to see how Alex Newhook can improve uh, taking over. One of the one of the – moves the Canadians did or Susan Gordon did that I sort of wondered about was when they hired Stefan Ovida as the defense coach. I was thinking you'd want somebody with experience behind an NHL bench, but they still had to focus on development and look at how the young defenseman developed last year with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's, it's, you know, that's the one where I sort of went, wow, you know, they didn't, you think they'd want an experienced guy back there. And, and you know, he came from coaching AAA hockey. I mean, he played in the NHL for a long time and he had been in the player development with the least, but they brought him in and, and the young defenseman developed under him. So, um, it, you know, as I said, just that young I asked a few of the guys, I asked Suzuki and Caulfield and Doc about that yesterday at the golf tournament. Like, just how important to this rebuild is it to have guys that are 21, 22, 23, 24, same age, same interest on the ice, off the ice, uh, same parts of their life, either single or maybe they have a girlfriend. Most of them don't have kids yet. They're sort of, and they said it's huge. Like, they're just, they're, hanging around together. You know, I went to the Lasso Country Music Festival this year. It was in the summer in Montreal. Mm-hmm. And a whole bunch of the Canadians were there. Suzuki was there, and uh, I think Doc was there, and Josh Anderson, and uh, uh, the whole bunch of them were there. They were, and they were having a great time together. It was it was, it was was fun to see. Arbor Jack, I was having a riot. You know, they're, they're up on the stage. So <laughs> just the, building that camaraderie on and off the ice. <clears throat> and in, being in the locker room, you can tell that these guys, are, they really get along with each other. They really like each other. And, you know, Ken Hughes is saying, and Jeff Gordon was saying at the golf, there's already 40 players in town skating. And some of them have been, Slavkowski got here on August 1st. These guys were wanted to come back to Montreal. They don't have to be here. They like each other. They want to hang around with each other. They're, they want to skate together. They want to work together. They're excited about the upcoming season. So that's a reason for optimism, I think, for Canadians fans as far as moving forward, that these guys, they want to be together. They're having fun coming to the rink. They're enjoying uh, what they're doing, that they're buying into what uh, management is, is selling them. Um, and and I think I think they're on the right path for this rebuild. And, and you know, two years from now, if they at the golf tournament, the Canadians say, oh, yeah, we're not going to say the P word and we want to be patient, then, uh, okay, enough already. You know, it's uh, yeah. four yeah. years into the rebuild. It's time to start seeing some results. But after one year, one full year of a rebuild, you know, when these guys came in, it was the middle of the season, uh it was a mess, right? They were just trying to get through to the end of the year. That's all they were trying to do. And then the official rebuild started last summer or after last season and one full year into it. Um, and with all the injuries they had last season. Um, so, again, if they can stay healthy this season, I think we'll see an improvement in this team. I don't think they're good enough to make the playoffs. But I think there's reason for optimism moving forward for this franchise. You know, it's it's really easy to fall into – old habits and bad habits fall back into them. And what I really hope is because, you know, you said it, uh, Eric said it last night. I'm going to say it again tonight. I wouldn't bet on the Canadians making the playoffs, 
but I wouldn't be totally shocked, no. especially after what we saw last year with Seattle, right? Seattle, and New Jersey. You mentioned New, yeah. you mentioned New Jersey. Yeah. You know, it, it's not. I think they went from totally, sixty something points to over hundred points in one. On one but year. that's it. It's not totally out of the question. And, and they're rebuilding. And, it's a rebuilding team who all of a sudden it clicked right quicker than they expected. Yeah. So could it well, click, there, could it click quicker than the Canadians expected this season? It's possible. Yeah, for sure. So what I really hope to see is should the Canadians this is a big this is really looking into the future but should they make the playoffs this year and then they take a little bit of a step back the year after like I hope I hope that Stanley Cup run gave uh gave uh Jeff uh Jeff Molson some perspective on what it is to have a flawed team have a lot of success mm -hmm. because if the Canadians made the playoffs I'm not going to call them a flawed team yeah but they they I think they know that they probably shouldn't be there well they, they uh, really based. were a flawed team when they went to the final in 2021 I mean they shouldn't even been in the playoffs they only got in because of COVID and the way everything changed and more teams got in and they were a flawed team that Carey mm -hmm. Price they mentioned Carey Price stole that series against Toronto carried them to the Stanley Cup final, and I said that history would have been a lot different if the Canadians had lost that overtime game against the Leafs in the first round. It would have been, uh, the rebuild would have started quicker than it did. Well, that's it, right? So I, I just hope that if that were to happen, that Jeff Molson takes a takes a deep breath and says, "Okay, listen, that was good. Sure, got some extra money in my pocket. That's great, but." Uh, this thing, we need to stay the course. We can't just start, uh, you know, oh, these players are capable of doing it. Let's start shipping off uh, assets, draft picks, this, that, and uh, rushing through this thing because it really, it really does feel like they have a clear path yeah. in mind and they know what they're doing. And it's just, it just, again, I'm, it's, it's the magic word, but it just, everything is so calculated that they have me convinced that, you know what? take as much time as you need you know obviously we do need to see results like this year it's not the same baseline as last year it's not just go make some mistakes like th those mistakes will be rectified this year and i think there will be a little bit of consequence this year to making mistakes but you know i think that every, just every move is so calculated that it's like really let's get this right because you don't want to just make the playoffs one year like near the like mark bergevay's tenure you know like they made made the playoffs one year bottomed out the next made the playoffs again bottomed out the next won the division and you know so on and yep. so forth like you want to have sustained sustained playoff contention just like the detroit red wings did well that's their goal that's Canadian's goal i mean and jeff gordon started the rebuild in new york with the rangers when he was there and then last season they tried to rush it a bit right at the trade deadline they made a bunch of moves mm. and it backfired on them you know they, they rushed it a bit and it backfired so it's it's again patience is a virtue. Virtue and, and Gordon has rebuilt the team or started a rebuild before with the Rangers. It was very surprising when he got fired there. Everybody was surprised, including him. Um, mm -hmm. But they have a guy in place. They have an experienced guy in place when it comes to to a rebuild. And and he's going to be patient. And again, I, I had no problem with him saying I don't want to use the p word because he, he's it's an unrealistic expectation to put on them that with the roster you have, you look at the paper and say that this team is going to make the playoffs because they, they're just, they're, they're too young. There's too many holes still. Um, mm -hmm. And, but again, I mean, there's a reason as Ken, you said, there's a reason why they play the games. Uh, you know, there's a reason why, uh, you know, betting websites make a lot of money because it's, <laughs> it's, you know, that's right. Sports is very unpredictable. I mean, would it be a total shock if the Devils somehow didn't make the playoffs this year? 
No. You know, as I said, it's mm-hmm. it's hard to make the playoffs. You get a key player hurt, you go into a slump, you can't get out of it. Um, you don't get in the playoffs. So it's sort of it's part of what makes the NHL so fun to watch. It's part of what makes pro sports great to watch. And and uh, again, it's, I'm looking I'm looking forward to covering this team this season because I just think there's so many good storylines to watch. Whether it's New Hook, first year here, can Kirby Doc uh, continue the progression he made last year? How many goals is Cole Caulfield going to score? Uh, Nick Suzuki's progression um, as a number one center. Uh, can Sam Montable maybe be the goalie of the future? Uh, Caden Goulet, if he can stay healthy, you know he he looks like he can be a real dominant defenseman in the NHL for many years to come. Yuri Slavkovsky, is he going to be more comfortable? Is he going to look more comfortable at the NHL level, or is he going to struggle again? You know, will they maybe you know they you know, they turned me yesterday. Marty St. Louis said, you know, he's going to start the season in Montreal. Um, but if he struggles like he did last season, well, they said there's just there's so many, you know, who's going to play with Nick Suzuki and uh, Cole Caulfield on that number one line. There's just a, so many interesting things going into this season um, that it's going to be a fun team to watch and it's going to be a fun team to cover also. You know, back to your uh, column and one of the names you mentioned in Kirby Doc, uh, you know, I think it's more than just the career high in points that he set. Like, <laughs> He was at at one point near the end of his season where he got injured. He was it wasn't just that he was putting up points, but it felt like he was a dominant presence yeah. on the ice. It was like the he was on the ice, the Canadians have the puck and you know, they're getting quality scoring chances. And I just really really hope that continues because And that game in Chicago where he scored the goal. And oh yeah, that was awesome. The yeah. sign was a, a confident cockiness which is which he had lost in Chicago, right? He he mm-hmm. he had lost. Like the game w- wasn't fun for him anymore. And you don't you don't become a number three overall pick in the NHL if you're not a confident and cocky kid. You know, he was a captain of Team Canada World Junior Team, and then Chicago it didn't work out for him. And uh, he got a fresh start and uh, a reset here. And uh, it worked, the first season worked out really well. And I. I as you mentioned, he was he was dominant. I mean, he was hard to get the puck off of. He was, mm-hmm. you know, he struggled a bit on faceoffs. That was the one thing. But I mean, he was he looked really good when he played with uh, Suzuki and Caulfield. Um, he can control the play. He's really good in the corners with the puck and winning puck battles. He's smart. Um, he, we saw why he was a number three overall draft pick. We saw why mm-hmm. he was ranked so highly. We saw why he was. Uh, he's, he's come out of his shell a little bit too, and uh, you know, he was he was much more. Um, uh, I don't want to say confident, but just the way he was talking with the media yesterday at the golf tournament was different than he was the year before. I think he had been, you know, he struggled so much in Chicago and probably had a lot of negative things written about him and said about him. He was sort of defensive maybe a little bit or, or, or timid talking with the media. He just seemed, he seemed he seemed more confident just the way he was carrying himself yesterday at the golf mm-hmm. tournament. Um, and that's a good thing. You know, that's a confidence off the ice carries on to the ice and, uh, you know, it's too bad that knee injury last season cut his season short. But as you said, he was he was turning into the player that Kent Hughes thought he or was hoping he was going to be when he made the trade at the at the draft uh, last year in Montreal. And we'll not only will will we see if he can continue that, but if uh, like you said, Alex Newhook can take those reins, and even Kirby Doc spoke about it in your column. Mm-hmm. You know, if 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 Alex Newhook could uh, could be on the same uh, path to, of progression that he can. But uh, that remains to be seen, but moving on. Go ahead. Said, and I, I don't think I put this part in the column just for the space. He said how nice it was to be back in Canada, playing in Canada too. 
just to be closer to home and easier for family to come watch them play and whatnot. And it's nice to hear a guy say that. It's nice to hear a Canadian kid say, I'm, I'm happy to be back in Canada rather than being in Tampa or you know, San Jose or somewhere where there's no snow and sunshine all the time. He's happy to be back. And the thing is, the guys that are here now are, you know, Cole Caulfield, the young American kid who signs long-term to stay in Montreal. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's become a uh, you know if Marty St. Louis wasn't the coach, uh, does that happen or you know when the way things were going under uh, Dominic? Well, first of all, I wouldn't have got that contract the way you've been playing under Dominic. Oh yeah, no, 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 that would have been talking. Yeah. You want to talk bargain deal? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's um, I mean, I think Montreal is turning into a uh, a more attractive market, uh, especially for young players. I mean, uh, yeah. New have talked about that. Like, you know, in Colorado, he was a young guy. Most of the guys had kids and families. And, you know, after practice, I go home to their wives and kids, and you're sort of the young single guy. Oh, what do I do? You know, well, here there's a lot of young single guys, and they can <laughs> work together and, and, and have a good time. It's like I said, like I saw at the Lasso concert, these guys were all together, and they were having a great time. And, and the fact, again, just the fact that there's 40 players already in town, the main training camp doesn't – the rookie camp starts uh, – uh, tomorrow, but I mean the main tramp camp doesn't start until next Wednesday. Um, that's that's impressive that so many guys cut their summer short, whether yeah. at the cottage or back in their home, to come back here and start skating and just to be with their buddies again. I mean, it was a, been a long summer, you know, not making the playoffs, but mm-hmm. just the fact that guys are happy to come back to Montreal and want to be together with their teammates uh, and get a, a, a jump start uh, on this season is, is a positive thing. Uh, what's not uh, starting off as a positive for the Columbus Blue Jackets is a report that came out. We're going to talk about this just very briefly before we sign off. Uh, you know, report comes out from uh, the Spit and Chicklets podcast uh, with uh, Paul Bissonette and Ryan Whitney that Mike Babcock is up to his old tricks in uh, airplane players' phones to TVs. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets come out and say that's not true, obviously. Mike Babcock comes out with a statement. Even Boone Jenner, the, the captain of the Columbus Blue Jackets, comes out and say it. Now, it's hard. I mean, listen, a lot of people don't want to believe it for a couple of reasons. One, because Barstool Sports is the parent company of the Spit and Chicklets podcast, Mm -hmm. and they're not exactly the most reputable uh, publication out there. But hey, you know, uh, that that podcast has had a lot of great guests and had a lot of great conversations. They get a lot of good insights. So there's that. And then the other side of it is that uh, how can this possibly be that uh, an old coach that got fired for this very reason is now up to his old tricks? Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of on the side of where there's smoke, there's fire. And I don't know about you, but I think the Canadians players uh, were – very relieved to hear that uh, they probably don't have to worry about that with it with as we like to say those old dinosaurs as coaches well uh, the spitting, yeah being just on twitter there's other sources who have come out and, and said with spitting chicklets they had heard the same thing and uh, mm-hmm. uh they're not shocked and they, other players have told them similar things and you know spitting chicklets uh the senate saying you know the, the truth will come out you know they said we didn't just hear this from one thing and yeah. a bunch so um you know, Babcock's reputation in Toronto and everywhere he's been is playing mind games with players going back to Detroit. And if this is what there's a reporting is actually what happened, it's, it's mind games again. And it doesn't, you know, Scotty Bowman played mind games with the players back when he was coaching the Canadians. Uh, it was a different world back then. 
uh, you know, John Tortorella, it's, it's a different world now, and players players don't respond to that stuff, and stuff like that gets leaked, right? And players call other players or call spinning chicklets and tell them what's going on, and it's just, you know, when Jeff Gordon and Ken Hughes took over, they said they wanted a, a modern-day coach was the way they phrased it. And it was sort of like, well, what's a modern-day coach? You know, Marty St. Louis is a modern-day coach, right? He's a mo- mm-hmm. Communication is his number one skill. Uh, he treats his players with respect, whether they're a first liner, whether they're a fourth liner. Um, I couldn't imagine him doing the stuff that Mike Bobcock has done in the past and admitted to doing in the past and to what he's alleged to have done now with Columbus. But the fact that if this is, if, if what they're saying is what he actually did, it just shows me that, um, uh, an arrogance almost that, yeah. You know, he, he, he was out of hockey for so long and he gets a chance to come back and the season hasn't even started yet. And there's already this thing out there. It, it, it doesn't look good for Columbus. Um, as you say, they're, when they're when they're smoked or fired, they're, you know, the captain comes and said they were just sort of sharing pictures. He was sharing, Babcock was sharing pictures. He just wanted to get to know more about the families and whatnot. But just the... the if you called into your boss's office and he says, "Oh, show me some pictures on your phone," you're like, "Why?" Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's even, just, even it's, it's, no matter what it's, it is. It's, it's just, but it's also it's, you say the dinosaur type thing. It's like not understanding how personal maybe a cell phone is to a young person. You know, yeah. it, it's it's just not not comprehending how that would seem really weird to a young hockey player like he wants me to he wants to see what's in my phone like it's just, that i think it's just another sign of how he can't relate and understand to the the younger hockey player and that was that was the big issue in toronto that's why he got fired in toronto so it's gonna be interesting how this plays out moving forward it definitely doesn't look good on columbus um i'm sure we're gonna hear more in the days Tomorrow and days coming up, more people coming out and, and either confirming or some denying. You know, some Columbus players have denied it already, but you know, <laughs> you got a new coach, you don't want to get off in a, <laughs> bad books right away. Yeah, exactly. So, but again, it's just it's it's really weird. But uh, as I said, I'm just trying to, you know, you're a young kid, you're you're you know, whatever in your 20s, and your boss tells you, oh yeah, show me what's on your phone, show me the pictures on your phone. I don't know. It, it's just it's really bizarre. It, yeah, it, and I, I understand the uh, the mentality in hockey. It's not a traditional job, yeah. But still, you know, there 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 needs to be a certain level of comfort there to really, well, yeah, like show expose me, show that me side of your phone is different than like, you know, I'm I have, I'm your boss, Matt, and I hire you, and you come in, and I say, well, Matt, tell me a bit about your family. Like, tell me, are you married? Do you have kids? Yeah. But not like show me pictures of them on your phone. Like that's you know what I mean, like. What do your kids do? What grade are they in? Like just having a conversation with a guy about his yeah. family is different than show me pictures of your family or show me pictures of it's really it's really weird. It's it's just to me it, it's just and I'm an old guy. So I can imagine for <laughs> I can imagine for a young kid, it'd be like as I said, if if you know if a twenty two year old called kid or twenty four year old kid got called in and said uh, uh, well, tell me about your mom. Do you have a girlfriend? Like, okay. What do your parents do? Uh, uh, yeah. you know, where are you living? Uh, you know, do you, do you have a dog? Uh, just, just basic questions. I'm trying to get to know the guy as a person as opposed to, I just don't get the show me photos in your phone. That, that, as I said, that's just really weird. 
Yeah, and uh, I mean, hey, we'll see. Uh, we'll see more and more come out uh, from it as the days go on, as you said. And I, I mean, listen, I, I hope it's not true. Uh, just for the players' sake, like forget Babcock. Like, I, he could get fired. I don't really care. He already yeah. has sixty-four million big ones in the bank thanks yeah. to Toronto. So I don't really care about him. But just for the players, like I, I just you never like to hear these like these early onset stages of just toxic environments in the hockey room in hockey dressing rooms, because it's just, we've heard so much negative stories about hockey. It's just like, when is it going to end? You know, that's just, I wonder what the private the text message chats with the blue jackets players are like tonight. <laughs> yeah. You know, oh like uh, you got to wonder what's going on. They're texting each other back and forth and their chat groups or whatever. It's got to, like, they got to, you know, it's, as I said, in training camp, training camp hasn't even started. Never mind the season. Man. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, hey, it's. Uh, who would have thought that Columbus is making uh, is making headlines right before before the season even started? And it's not because they picked Adam Fantilli. So hey, yeah. good. Yeah. For, there you go, <laughs> uh, Stu. Thank you very much for joining me on this Tuesday night. We'll chat again soon. Always a pleasure. Talk to you soon. That was Stu Cowan. I'm Matt O'Han. I'll see you on Friday. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.